Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. All right. Uh, very good morning to everybody and you're welcome to service. Uh, I have to stay at the back to usher in the people this morning. Amen. Praise God. Okay. Um, we're going to go into some discussions in relation to the purpose, if I may use the word, of Christ coming into the world and our own responsibility in declaring the purpose. So we're dealing with gathering in summer. That is the simple subject on Sunday school. Gathering in summer. Gathering in summer. All right. So um, let's quickly look at the um, book of Proverbs, chapter 10, verse 5, from the Amplified Translation. Uh, like I said, I, I just want us to have a dialogue on this simple discussion. You know, the Bible talks about God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, there's a purpose by which he did that. When he sent his son, it's like a seed that he planted. And anytime you plant a seed, you get a harvest from that seed. You plant a single seed, you get a harvest from that seed. So what God did was to sow Jesus into the world so that he can invest the world back to himself. And then he gave us the responsibility, having realized that, that we proclaim this intention of his in sowing that seed, Jesus Christ. Because you sowed Jesus, you are now harvested. You are now a child of God. The outcome of that seed is that you are now a child of God. And so, in John 12, it tells us, if a seed abides, remains alone, but if it falls to the ground and die, it brings forth much fruit. So now, the fruit that is supposed to be coming out of that seed is what you say you should go on to harvest. There are seeds, I mean fruits, all over the place that the laborers are supposed to go in to do what? To harvest. And you are the laborers. Remember he said in the book of Matthew, pray ye for the laborer, for the harvest is ripe. What harvest were you talking about? You were talking about people that are meant to be brought into the kingdom. And he was telling the disciples, pray ye for the Lord of the harvest to send in laborers into the field. So what God is looking for actually is laborers. Any time in any age. He's looking for laborers. And he intends that the laborers be conscious of their assignment. Because at the end, they also have a reward. 
So look with me now, Proverbs 10, verse 5 in the Amplified. says, He who gathers in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. That means by your attitude, you can cause shame to God. When it is time to harvest and you don't go into the harvest field, you bring shame to God. And I need you to think about that. How terrible it will be for you to cause an embarrassment to God by simply not going to the harvest field. You are not saved to enjoy heaven, in quotes, without you getting somebody else to be saved. As far as you are a disciple, there is one simple thing the Lord said. When he was speaking in the book of John, he said, Who sees you remitted, they are remitted. Who sees you returned, they are retained. What he means to say is, the people you preach to and they come to the Lord, they are saved. Their sins are remitted. The ones that will not listen to what you say, their sins are retained. It was simply the gospel that was given to them. How many of you are taking time to share about Jesus Christ? That's the question. For when you don't do that, you cause shame to the Lord. It's like saying God didn't know what he's doing. Or why he even sent his son. It's not for you to enjoy the benefits of Christianity and allow other people not to come in. You're causing shame unto God. As we progress on the discourse, I will let you see. The Bible says a dwindling population is a shame unto God or to the king. Now Jesus is the king of kings. So if the kingdom of God, if the people that are supposed to come in are not increasing, it brings an embarrassment unto who? Unto God. That's why I say he that gathered not in stomach because it's shame unto God. And what that means is, you know, the early times, kings will fight battles and their success will depend on the number of people that they take to the battle. That's why when Gideon was going to battle, God said, no, reduce from 3,000 3, to whatever, to 300. Reduce the population. They were only depending on the strength of the population of the army that they had. That's why it's a shame for a kingdom to be depopulated. In other words, they will not have enough armies to go to war. So, I want to be very simple with us today on this. Look at the book of John chapter 4. Let me just take it from verse 28. I'm reading from the NIV. Now, I need you to understand, you know the story, how Jesus met with the woman at the well, isn't it? Yeah, you know the story, you know the dialogue, whatever went on. But let's look at it from verse 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went to the town and said to the people, verse 29, Come see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Christ? A simple question. Come see a man. Simple invitation. Are you following me? Right. 
she didn't preach any fantastic message. She didn't try to interpret the Bible in the Greek and the Hebrew. Come and see. Simple. You, you don't have any excuse to say you don't know what to say. When you don't win souls, you have no excuse. I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. Nobody is asking you to go and define Bible anywhere. Come and see is a simple word. Hallelujah. So it's like asking the question, has God ever done anything for you? Since you believe in Christ. That's the question. Has Jesus ever done anything for you? Have you ever had any encounter with Jesus? That is all you need to talk about him. You don't need anything else. And if you think, okay, you don't know how to talk, you have the CDs, you have the tapes, the MP3s. You can share with friends for them to know about Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? You don't have any excuse. When I started ministry in River State, then I was still working. I used to get magazines from the U.S. and some from Lagos. I just share them and I ask the people, read. Where you don't understand, come back. That's all. And people were coming to ask questions based on those magazines that I was sharing. And in the fact of that is, they finally became my disciples. Some were coming late in the night because of fear of ostracism from the church, especially the Baptist church. They will come in the night. I will speak to them. I will teach them with the lantern. The village, there was no light as well. Right? But some finally made up their mind and be bold and start coming in the afternoon. That's how the church started. I was just distributing magazines. I was not even ready to have a church. My own is let people get into God. You don't have any excuse for not winning souls. No excuse whatsoever. The woman did not go about doing anything. She had no miracle to perform. Simply say, you just come and see what God have done for me. All right, look at verse 13. They came out of the town. Now look at that. There is a force. Thank you, Lord. There's a force that accompany your invitation because you are representing another kingdom. Come and see. That's all. At that instance, there's a power that was walking behind the woman to get the people to listen to what she was going to say. Are you there with me? You know, it's like Jesus telling Peter, Come. And Peter have to start moving on to him or towards him. Same thing. Because she has spoken to this woman. She has impacted the woman. And she went to the street and said, come and see. And the people responded. Why? There is a force behind the call. It is only as you go out that men will respond to what you want to say. Amen. They came out of the town and made the way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. You know, they went out to buy food. Rabbi, eat something. Verse 32. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And this is very impressive. 
What is the food that he was eating? The concern for the message. The concern for the saving of souls. Jeremiah said, when I find your word, I cherish it more than my necessary food. We are eager for food, but there's a food that's supposed to sustain the desire for the word of God. Praise God. So I'm asking you, what are your priorities? Yeah, Jesus prioritized the word of God and evangelism. So winning. What is your priority? That's the point. What are you concerned about? What, what works in your mind more on a daily basis? Those of you who follow me on the Facebook, most time I, I don't feel like, you know, okay, rest, I want to rest or something. But I just can't. Yesterday, all through, I said, okay, I'm not going to read the Bible, I just want to rest. But somewhere along the line, I went to the bathroom, I was coming back, a message dropped. And I could not afford to sit down and begin to write. And it's trending even now on Facebook. What is your greatest desire in life? Don't forget, you have one life to live. And you should be able to produce results when you get to the Father. Are you listening to me? Praise God. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Verse 33. Then the disciples said unto each other, Could someone have brought him food? Now look at verse 34. He interpreted what the food is. My food, Jesus said, is to do what? The will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's my food. Praise God. What is your own food? If you be a disciple of Jesus, you must be as he is. Scripture said, every disciple must be as his master. Every disciple must be as his master. What is your concern in life? What is your desire in life? No matter how much you gather in terms of material wealth, they amount to nothing at the end of the day. Amen? The best anybody can do like we find it is the other time, I think late last year or thereabout. They have to bury you maybe with a vehicle. Maybe Mercedes Benz, maybe a Jeep, whatever the case may be. But it's all nonsense. You will rot, the vehicle will rot. That's something you got to understand. What is the value of your life? Think about that. Praise God. I remind you, you have only one life to live. And how you live this life matters a lot. Go back and read or listen to the message we shared on the glory on the other side. It is as you live here that determine your placement. And it's important. You don't miss it. Praise God. Verse 35. Do you not say four months more and then harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for what? For harvest. Look around you. 
There are a thousand and one people that are qualified to be harvested in the God's kingdom. The field is ripe for harvest. You're not going to wait till tomorrow. You say, you think it's four months time, it'll be harvest time. They are looking at the natural thing. Jesus is speaking on the spiritual dimension of what harvest is. Praise God. Open your eyes. That's what he said. By implication, at any point in time, when, when you open your eyes to look, you might find people who are qualified to be invested into the kingdom of God. You will suddenly see them when you open your eyes. You, you, you are not looking. You are not interested. You are not watching. That is the point. It's not in your mind to get people into God's kingdom. You're not thinking about that. So you can't see people who are qualified to move in, to be harvested. And that's the problem. We have blind eyes that we don't see. And how many of you understand that even the gift of the spirit, they are not truly meant to be manifested in the church. They are meant to be manifested in the streets. When you look at people sometimes, God gives you a word of knowledge for them. What happened? Then we stop and say, who told you about me? I will say, well, I looked at you and Jesus ministered to me that this is your problem. Tell me if such a person will not want to follow you to your house of fellowship. We, we, it's not about the church. It's not about gathering in the four corners. No. The true place to manifest the gift of the spirit is out there. Praise God. We call that prophetic evangelism. You can talk to people. You can minister to people. You can look at people and God can give you a word for them. You may not even understand. Like Jesus will speak to the disciples in mighty 10. He said, even if they bring you to the place of persecution, have nothing to say and no fear of nothing what you're going to say. Because the Father will give you what to say. So, if your mind is actually on soul winning, there are places you get to and the Father gives you a word for the people. And they follow you. The problem we have is our minds are blinded, our eyes are blinded. We're not thinking about the harvest. But Jesus came for a harvest purpose. The purpose of coming is that he may harvest the world. And that is to say, if we see our people around us who have not had the mind of thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ, it's simply because our eyes are blinded towards them, even though they are ripe for harvest. Hallelujah. So the field is ripe for harvest. And then the next thing says, even now, the reaper draws his wages. Even now, he averts the crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Amen. This is crucial. Do you know what kind of joy you will get when people come to church because of you? So one of the things why you don't enjoy Christianity is because you are not winning souls. <laughs> Amen. And look at that there. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Oh no. You see, look at the woman. Jesus sold into the woman's life. What's the next thing? She went into the what? The city of Samaria to do what? To her best. And you can imagine the joy that will be in the heart of that woman. 
And the joy that will be in the Lord Jesus Christ for seeing these people coming to him because he sowed the seed into the woman's life. One of the things that gives you joy, I want to repeat, is when you see souls turn to the Lord. Amen. This can keep on driving you that even if there are issues, but because you are there to win souls, because you are there to turn men unto righteousness, I tell you something. There will be a joy that floods your heart regularly. That joy drives you to the street to talk to people. And when you see them come to church, you get happier than you were before. Hallelujah. Are you still here? I remember Sister Christie sitting down there. She came in because Kingsley brought his brother to this church. I think one of the Synergy Forum, right? Synergy Forum. She invited a friend. Say, just come to Synergy Forum. She, the guy came here, pastor, and listened to what we we're teaching. Went back home, told the sister to come join with us. Imagine the kind of joy that he'll be having anytime he sees Christy sitting by her or by him there. You don't, you can't quantify the joy you get when you win souls. Amen. Every day I look at Uncle Francis. I saw him dancing this morning when I was over there, ushering people into the service. And I just felt some joy in my heart. And I remember how I used to go to his house. It took us a couple of months to get them to believe into what we're teaching. I would go to his house, rain would be falling, would be trekking through, you know, streets just to go visit. And then himself and the wife finally came to join and then beautiful sister Elo also have to join with us. You can imagine the joy that you get if you can be a soul winner. Talk to somebody about Jesus. No stories. Talk about Jesus. If you don't know how to talk, give out the messages. Share them. Share the teachings on Facebook. You have a lot of materials you can use to turn men unto righteousness. Look at our brother sitting over there. He listened to Maxwell on the radio and one day he saw Maxwell along the street and he said, hey, you Maxwell says, what are you doing here? I came for a fellowship. Our church is in town. Your church is in town? So yes. Oh, come on. I have to be there. That's why he's in church here. Hallelujah. Can you, you can picture the joy that floods your heart when you turn men unto righteousness. Hallelujah. Verse 37. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. What I'm doing, I'm merely sowing seed. It is you that goes out to do what? To reap. So your joy and my joy might be full. Hallelujah. So when you see the word being sown and not being used, the sower will definitely not be happy or feel frustrated. If Jesus had been sent into the world by God and nobody is there to take the message across for people to come to Jesus, it's like frustrating God. That's why he said, a son that will refuse to gather in summer brings shame unto who? Unto the Lord. God sent Jesus into the world. 
And the essay is to harvest the world as a seed. But laborers must take that world to get the seed to come into the kingdom. And that's your responsibility. That's your duty. That's your place as a believer. It's not enough to mark Sundays, to mark Wednesdays, to mark. It's not enough. It's not even enough for you to think that all that Jesus will do for you is to heal you. No. That is not it. Hallelujah. Are we still here? Praise the Lord. Verse 38. I sent you to reap, oh glory, what you have not worked for. <laughs> Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefit of what? Of their labors. I sent you to reap where you have not worked for. You know what he's saying? You didn't talk to these people. You didn't sow the seed. The sower, you know what the sower does? It's going to plow the field. How I many of you understand that? Good. There's labor in plowing to sow seed. So he said, I plow the heart of this woman. I was able to bring her to the place of conviction and belief. And now she's gone to the city. So the city is ripe for what? For harvest. So you go in there and invest the people. Now you remember, that's where they finally went to then what happened? Philip, the evangelist, I mean if you remember, came in there to do the work. Praise the Lord. It was from there the Lord picked Philip to the eunuch. How I many of you remember this story? And the Peter and others have to come in again. It was there they met Simon the sorcerer. You remember this story? And seeing what was going on in the city, the kind of revival that was going on, Simon the sorcerer lose his own power and came to the people and said, because people were leaving him. You don't need to go criticize anybody. No. Understand the message. You are talking about Jesus. You are not there to criticize anybody. Whether it's another worship, whatever. Your language must be refined. Let Jesus be pushed to the heart of the people. That's your labor. Amen. And you find that Simon the sorcerer finally came out and said, I need this power that you have. Meaning, Simon the sorcerer was one to the Lord. Nobody preached to him. He merely saw. You see that? Praise the Lord. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. That's all. He told me everything I've ever done or I've ever did. Because of the woman's testimony, many believe. By implication, the Lord have energized the mouth of this woman. When you go out, the Lord gives you a word. I need to challenge you to come to this understanding of simple soul winning as you talk to people. To bring them into God. For God have not sent his son into the world not to have harvest unto himself. The only reason he sent him to the world is to harvest the world back to himself. And you become the laborers to bring this harvest in so that his own joy and your joy might be full. Amen. Verse 40. 
So when the Samaritan came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. They said, listen, you can't go. Hallelujah. Now, watch this. No miracle was performed. I mean, if you understand that. So it's not about miracle. That is why, now that I'm against miracle, and you know God has been doing one or two things along with us. But the truth is, the word is key. Because it want people's life transformed. You can have all the miracles you want and still not believe God. That may shock you. Why do you think the children of Israel could not enter the promised land? Even though they had miracles. They had manna. They had water from the rock. I mean, if you remember that. Their shoes were not worn out. There was no miracle God never performed in the wilderness. But how come they could not see enter the promised land? Because of unbelief. So miracle is not enough. Why that is so important? The key is the world because the world is the seed and the seed is life. Praise God. So yeah, we'll find that they urge him to stay. We just need you to stay here. We are not told that Jesus, even for those two, they performed a miracle. So what was he doing? He was teaching the people. Did you get that? Stay for two days. What was he doing within those two days? He was simply teaching the people the word of God. The reason they have to receive Jesus. The reason they have to come to life from the life that they are living in. Verse 41. We just run through this today. And because of his words, many became believers. Did you get that? Because of his words, not because of the miracles he performed. Many become believers. He stayed two days. He never performed a single miracle. He was just there teaching. Many become believers. That's the key. What are you doing with the word you receive? What are you doing with the word you have ever received as a believer? To, 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 to date, what do you do with the word? Is it actually in your mind to make many to turn into righteousness? Have you thought about the reason why you must bring people to church or to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you thought about that? You don't know how important this is. Praise the living God. Are we still here? Verse 42. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said, oh glory. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is what? The savior of the world. We have heard for ourselves, Pastor. <laughs> so for the two days that the Samarians asked him to stay, he was just dishing out the word of God. By the time he was done, he said, listen to me. You told us, yes, we agree. But now, no. We come to believe that truly this is the savior of the world. God has called you to do something for him. To be a laborer is so winning. The harvest is ripe. The laborers are few. Call ye fault the laborers unto the harvest. That's exactly what we're doing now. Can you bow your head in prayer? And I need you to talk to the Lord very briefly.
from today what are you supposed to be doing what is your utmost concern Jesus said I have food that you don't know anything about I don't know what is your main concern in life but I'm ensuring that the gospel of Jesus is pushed to every quarter of the earth Father empower your people let this world make him part in your life for transformation that you will stand up for Jesus and not cause a shame unto the Father in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga we know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.